Well, Shabbat Shalom, good to be with you in person or over Facebook Live and to worship God on this Shabbat with you. And uh, today we'll be looking at the counting of the Omer verses that Rabbi Steve opened the service with. Uh, and one of those verses was in Matthew 22. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn there. And uh, in that, it's in that passage that Yeshua gives the greatest commandment. And the backstory is that it's in his final year of ministry. He's about to go up and be crucified and to die so that we can be forgiven. And in the weeks leading up to that, uh, the Jewish religious leaders from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the political leaders, they're threatened by Yeshua. They're threatened of his popularity with the people, and so they try to trap him. And the Sadducees and the high priests and the priests try to trap him with a question, and it doesn't work. And then the Pharisees get together and they bring some of their lawyer friends and they try to figure out just the right question to trap Yeshua. And one of the lawyers brings to him this question, what is the greatest commandment? And when he's asked this, Yeshua brings it back to the Shema. And he tells them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And he, uh, he gets out of this tricky situation, not with some fake political answer, but with truth that cannot be denied. Truth that can transform our lives. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The greatest commandment, how to love God. And Rabbi Steve in the Canon of the Omer devotional broke it down in four ways. Loving God through personal devotions. Loving God through representing him and uh, joining his mission. And loving God by being a disciple. And so the first question as we open up this discussion that I'm excited to have Terry with us and to have Talia with us. And uh, Terry is the men's leader here at Shiresh, and Talia is the youth leader. So I'm super excited to be with them. And so the first question to kick off our discussion was, uh, is what does it tell us about God that the greatest commandment is to love him? Like uh, in Judaism, there's 613 commandments. There's a lot to choose from. Yeshua chooses this one. What does that tell us about God? Well, um, I think one of the main things that uh, we can take from this passage is that God is love. He gives love, and he's a source of love. His love is an agape love, a sacrificial love, which he displayed at Calvary for uh, all of us sinners. Uh, None of us or most of us would never die for a righteous person, yet God died for us who were sinners and reconciled us back to him. That's awesome. The love of God, God is love, and shown in the greatest demonstration possible. And Rabbi Steve will talk about that tomorrow. So, amazing. So the coolest thing about love is I don't, I don't think we actually can fully grasp the power that love can have and it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So like through the love the Lord had, that's how powerful love is, that we had our salvation come through love. And also that um, perfect love casts out all fear. And that faith, like out of all the things, faith, hope, and love, like love is the greatest. 
So I think when Yeshua was talking about how love is the greatest commandment, we may not think love is powerful, but love actually has the power to bring salvation, to um, change the world, really, and change people's destinies, change people's lives. So it's a deep thing that he says. Yeah, that God's love has that transformational power. And when I think about it, one of the things that hits me is that it's, at its core, this is about relationship with God. Yeah. It's not just about ideas. It's not about performance. Out of all of the commandments, he chooses this transformational love as the greatest commandment. And, uh, and this week, I was, uh, I was reading the devotional, and uh, it, it was about sin. And it said, sin is not a failure of performance. It's a failure of intimacy. And that hit me, because uh, I never thought about it that way. But if the greatest commandment is to love God, then what he's saying is it's not ultimately just about believing the right ideas, because even Hasatan believes in God. It's not ultimately just about performance, because Yeshua said, depart from me, you never knew me. It's about knowing him and loving him. And uh, I think that frees us, it frees me in my relationship with him, that at its core, it's about loving God. And one of the ways we do that is through personal devotions. And so if loving God is the goal, how does that affect how we do devotions? Does, do you have any thoughts on that, Talia? So it's like when you love someone and care someone, you actually want to spend time with them. Like I was talking about this with my mom. Like, mom, like, help me get out what I want to say. And we're just talking about, like, imagine if a dad had a kid, and he's like, well, you know, I have two hours with you, so I have to spend this time with you. You know, I have to because it's just I don't have a choice. Or what if it said, like, you know, I actually want to spend time with you. Hey, let's do something great. I care about you. So in a way, it's like when you look at personal devotional time, it's about spending time with the Lord because we want to, and like we want to grow in that relationship with him, not because we have to. So we come at it with this mentality of we have to do it just because we have to. It's not going to bear a whole lot of fruit in the areas of building a relationship. It's more of building like a routine or building just because, you know, you know, um, people told me to do this versus when you say, you know, Lord, I actually want to spend time with you, grow through you, grow in you. It's um, going in a different source and growing in that deepness in the love of the Lord. So. Yeah, that, that makes me think about uh, Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. And I'm thinking if I go to my mom and I'm like, so here's a present I got you because I have to. And I guess I love you because I have to say that today. It's not going to go over well. Uh, but what, what is great about Yeshua's response is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And to me, it hits me. It's not just do it when I feel like it. Because he says, do it with your strength. You, you need to do this. But then don't settle to just check the box off of devotions. It's good to do it. Do it. But don't settle for just having done it. Pursue it with all of your heart. And, uh, and so that's an awesome reminder, and it ties into uh, Mother's Day this weekend. Well, to be in God's presence uh, gives us fullness of joy. Uh, and in his right hand, there are pleasures forever. So when we have that intimacy with God, uh, we have that joy. We have that fullness of joy, that peace, that shalom, to spend time with him, quiet time with him. That, that joy that it brings, and that because devotions can bring that joy, it can transform us. So it's not just, I have my time with God, but I live the rest of my life. If we have that joy of the Lord from devotions, it can transform how we live. And, uh, and that was the next thing that Rabbi Steve brought up is representing Yeshua and imitating Yeshua. 
And if we have that joy that comes from devotions, we can live that way. And so uh, I want to go to you, Terry, because I think you've got a special connection with Yeshua. He was, uh, he worked in carpentry, he worked in construction. And so uh, if I think about who in the congregation maybe reminds me of Yeshua, I got to think, well, he's a rabbi like Rabbi Steve, but he worked in construction and carpentry like you. So on that, with the joy of the Lord, what does it then look like to represent and imitate Yeshua in our lives? Well, we want to provoke others, especially those who are non-believers. We want to provoke them to jealousy by our behavior. Our behavior should uh, emulate Yeshua. We should, we should operate in a way that makes us good ambassadors for his kingdom here on earth. Uh, we need to love others as we love ourselves, and we need to put others before we put ourselves. Um, so when I go and do a job, I'm not really doing the job for the individual I'm doing it for. I'm doing the job like if I was doing it for Yeshua, because that's going to bring him glory. Uh, so basically, uh, we just need to live our lives the way he did. We need to follow him as, as much as we can in, in every way. The things we say, the things we do, we need to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Yeah. And I love how you connected to also the way that we work in, the, in that sphere. We can't isolate that away from God, but that's, that's part of loving him. I'm thankful that Yeshua, you can have a connection with Yeshua because of carpentry. And then there's people like me who appreciate carpenters because they can't build anything. So that's, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. What I love about Yeshua and what it looks like to imitate Yeshua when looking at this is seeing Yeshua that he was honest and bold, but also was just equally compassionate, loving, and humble. So able to that he was able to combine all of those things because he wasn't a pushover. Like you know, sometimes people will say like, "Oh, you know, would you do this? This isn't acting like Yeshua." It's like no, Yeshua doesn't say be a pushover, just continually be run over. Yeshua could be bold sometimes. Sometimes Yeshua was direct, like a thousand million times more direct than even I could try to be. But he was able to be direct with love. So it's amazing to see that when we can imitate Yeshua, we can look at his actions and his attitude and be able to see, Lord, you can show us in every situation how to behave when people either talk to us a certain way or when this situation happens. We can go into the word and see, like, Yeshua, how did you respond to this? And like also how he responded to people, that he wasn't afraid of anything. Like the Lord, when it says, like, perfect love casts out fear, Yeshua was that perfect love, and he did not have fear. Like, he would touch lepers, and he would respond to either the poor people, the kind of unwanted people in the whole world. So that, like, when I see that, it makes me want to imitate that kind of faith and that kind of boldness to be able to reach out to anyone and everyone, regardless of their situation, um, regardless of their stance, regardless of who they are, because of just the love and the joy that we can have through knowing Yeshua and through trying to imitate who he was. And, and you mentioned how he would reach out to the leper yeah. or reach out to people like that. And for me, I was kind of thinking similarly about Yeshua, of how he lived his life, how to represent him, how to imitate him, and that he made space for people and he made space for God. And so I was thinking about kind of related to how he would reach out to the leper, that in, in Luke uh, chapter 8, the president of the synagogue says to Yeshua, my daughter is dying, I need you to come. It's urgent, she's going to die. 
And while he's going, he senses power leave him, that someone touched him and received a healing, and he stops. Like, he's got a schedule. He's got important stuff to do. He's meeting with a high-up leader, and yet he makes room for this one person, not only so that she just receives a physical healing of the issue of blood that she had, but also that she could receive an emotional healing so that he can say in the presence of all the people, daughter, your faith has made you well. You are a whole. And that he, he's busy, he has a lot in his heart, he's got a lot to do, but he makes space for people so that she can have that physical and emotional healing. Uh, and that sticks out to me because so often I just get in the zone of my stuff I gotta do, tasks I gotta check off, and I'm not really thinking about other people. And yet Yeshua calls me away from that to make space for people. And then the second thing that hits me is how he makes space for God. It always stuck out to me in John uh, in chapters uh, 5 and in chapter 12, he says, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. And then Luke gives us some insight. It says, even though he had tons of stuff to do, the crowds were always pushing for him. It says that, yet he would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. And that he wouldn't just make space for people, but that he also made space for God that no matter what the busyness around his life was, he wasn't going to just act out of what he thought was good in the flesh or say what he thought was good in the flesh. He was going to make sure he spent the time with God to have direction. He made time for people, but he made that time for God. And that's a challenge to me to imitate. And as we, as we think about imitating him, the question for us is how do we join in his mission? And so looking at the way that Yeshua used his time how can we join in his mission and what he did? I think the main thing we have to do is seek his kingdom first. And all these other things will be added unto us. Uh, we have to stay focused on him. Uh, this world gives us a lot of distractions. And uh, like Peter, when he was walking on the water, took his eyes off Yeshua and he started to sink. We need to stay focused on Yeshua. Uh, and let all our cares and worries uh, be cast over to him so he can take care of them for us. It's like the Marty Getz song based on Psalm 90. It's like, you know, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And seeing how Yeshua, he used his time, he, like his time had a purpose. And when I think about how he had only three years of ministry, it's like, dang, Yeshua, how did you fit that much into three years? But even like you were mentioning before, that he wasn't afraid to be inconvenienced by the way we would see inconveniences happen, like he would talk to anyone um, because his like, time was God-focused and like, people-focused. He was never afraid to invest a lot of his time in people regardless of how inconvenient it might have been, and that's a challenge for me as well um, to use that time to pray. Like if Yeshua prayed, I, I better pray because Yeshua was perfect, and if he spent a whole night praying, that kind of <laughs> gets me thinking, I better pray a little more too, and also using time to invest in people. Like That's important to share with others and build up others yeah. what hits me about that is how human he is he has to pray uh, he's god and yet he's also human and to think as a human he did that it's it's amazing and uh, and you were mentioning terry how to seek first the kingdom and that's what hit me about yeshua's mission that it was all about the kingdom and that he would spend his time teaching about what the kingdom of god was like healing people so they could experience the kingdom and then investing in, in a few people to raise them up for their kingdom destiny and calling on their life. 
And so for me, as I think about joining Yeshua and his mission uh, and seeking first the kingdom, those three specific things came to mind. How can I talk to people about what the kingdom of God is like? I think we're, a lot of times, so sick of this world that it may open, people might be open and hungry for the kingdom of God that's so much different, so much greater, something that we are made for, and to not be afraid to share about that kingdom, not to, and then to also to expect God to bring healing and restoration in people's lives and to say, okay, God, how can I be a part of that? And this week I was hearing someone talk about the include me prayer, and it was this idea of saying, okay, God, there's stuff that you want me to do today. I want to do my work with excellence because you've called us to do that. But God, also open my eyes up. Include me in what you're doing. How can I be a part of the work that you're doing? Be a part of that healing and restoration of people's lives. And then the last thing about the kingdom is to invest in people so that they can ha- fulfill their kingdom destiny. And Yeshua spent some time teaching to you know, tens of thousands of Jewish people in the land of Israel who hung on every word he said. But what strikes me is how much time he just spent with 12 people and how much time he just spent bringing them alongside of him, showing them how he lived his life, asking them questions, explaining to them why he did the things that he did, why he said the things that he did, and then how he sent them out, sometimes even when they weren't ready. I was thinking about how in, uh, in Luke 9, he sent out the disciples saying, cast out demons, heal the sick, proclaim the good news. And then a few chapters later, uh, in, uh, I think it's uh, in later on after the Mount of Transfiguration he comes down from the mountain and there's a big commotion because his disciples couldn't heal someone and he said it's because you haven't spent enough time in prayer and fasting but what I, what I take away from that is he knew they didn't spend enough time in prayer and fasting yet he had sent them out anyway he modeled it for them and then he sent them out even when they weren't perfect even when they didn't have it all together and that hits me to invest my time to pour into people and to encourage them to practice the teachings of Yeshua to go forth even when they aren't perfect because the God who began a good work can complete it. And so uh, I love how you summed it all up, Terry. Uh, whether it's in talking about the kingdom of God or in demonstrating the healing power or investing in people for that kingdom destiny, it's about seeking first the kingdom. And, uh, and as we respond to that challenge, like Yeshua's first disciples, what are some things that we can learn from his first disciples in how we follow Yeshua? Like you were saying that disciples didn't have to be perfect. He wasn't choosing perfect people or necessarily people that would fit leadership qualifications. He just chose people um, based on what the Holy Spirit was directing and shows people that sometimes were bold and sometimes made mistakes that weren't perfect, but that he invested in these 12 people regardless of the issues that they had because he could see further past, obviously, what people could see. I think whoever the Lord calls, he will equip them for whatever mission he has sent them to do. Uh, and I think... Uh, for the most part, they were serving. They were willing to give up their careers, fishermen and whatnot, to serve in his kingdom, to serve other people. So I think a serving heart is, is one of the things that we can take from this passage. 
so uh, I think there is so much rich truth deep inside of just that one sentence to love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And as I just listened to, to Terry and to Talia, uh, there was just so much gold there. And uh, as we go forth into this Shabbat and into this rest of this weekend in worship, I just want to first, I didn't ask you guys in advance, but just as I heard your hearts, could you guys pray for us as a congregation, whether gathered in this room or scattered throughout Tampa Bay and the world, that God would ignite in us a passion to love him and equip us for that mission, just like you said, Terry. And so, Tali, if you can start, and then I'll go, and then, Terry, if you could close. Okay. I would love that. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for every person that's here. And first of all, I want to thank you, Yeshua, for this time that we've been through. And Lord, thank you so much that it's so good and pleasant to dwell with other believers and to be in your house, Lord. It's better as one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. I just want to thank you for the fact that we can dwell together and be in community with one another again, Lord. I just want to speak a blessing over every person that's here, that's watching, or that will watch, Lord. Thank you that you and you started this good work in people and you'll carry it on to completion lord that's one of your promises and every promise that you say is yes and amen god i pray just for an ignition of just a new desire to pursue you pursue your heart pursue your love lord and to be transformed by your holy spirit god because we can't love others on our own lord it's love is something that only you can give because you are true love god i pray just for um a breaking of any boundaries or borders that we might have put up against receiving your love or giving your love out to people, God. I pray a breaking of that and just for a new release of love and a new release of just discipleship and reaching out to people who need you, God. And I'm going to ask this in your name, Yeshua. Amen. God, I just agree with that, that you would fan to flame our first love. God, we thank you that before we loved you, before we can love you, you first loved us. God, would you wreck us again and again every day with what Yeshua has done for us and that he is right now at every moment interceding for us and let his intercession at every moment give us the confidence to move forward. God, I think about how as we go through this count of the Omer, we're transitioning from belief and faith and confidence into victory, God. And God, strengthen our faith in you. Chazach, chazach, v'ni chazach. Strengthen us, God, to move forward in confidence in our commander-in-chief, Yeshua, to see your kingdom have victories in our lives and in our communities because Yeshua leads us at every step. In his name. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for this service tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all the examples you've given us. Father, we pray that you help each and every one of us to abide in you. By abiding in you, Lord, we will bear good fruit and more fruit. So, Father, we we thank you that even though we're dealing with so many issues in this world, if you are for us, who could be against us? Lord, we just thank you that you're not a man who could lie and you'd promise to be with us even until the end of the age. 
You will never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you that you're in control. Lord, I ask you to bless everyone in this room. Give us all a servant heart, Lord, to serve you. Give us all divine appointments that we can talk about the good news. This coronavirus has got a lot of people's attention, Lord. You have, you have created a, or have allowed a forced Shabbat for the world. So people are not doing their normal things. They have a lot of time on their hands. They're seeking answers. Lord, give us divine appointments. Bring these people to us so we can share the good news, the good news of Yeshua. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, but we are here, Lord. Call on us. So, Father, we thank you for this service. We thank you for, for all those that have come today, and we pray that we have another good service tomorrow. Lord, we just want to stay focused on you and run the good race, as Paul said. So, Father, we just want to tell you how much we love you because you first loved us in Yeshua's mighty name, the name above all names, the great I am, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Alpha and the Omega, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Amen.